Good morning. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know me, you just heard my name, but it's Emily Robinson. I'm Josh's wife, who's one of the ministers here, and mom of two of our little guys here at Denton North, Ezra and Ari. If you're new here today, I'm <laughs> welcome, and I just want to say that I'm sorry this is your first experience with preaching at our church. This is not the norm. Um, when Josh first asked me to do this, he had to preface the question with, I want to ask you something, but I want you to at least consider it before saying no. Please just at least hear me out. And truly, that was my first inclination, was an immediate, absolutely not. Um, I don't know what happened to me. I was never a super outgoing child or teenager, but I never minded getting up in front of a crowd. I would occasionally do morning announcements in front of our high school. Oh, well, it's called our morning assembly, or I would even do special music is what it was called back in the day where I would sing a song in front of our church to transition between like communion and the sermon or even sang at my sister's wedding. And then I became an adult and had some sort of internal switch happen and you could not pay me enough to do any of those things now. I look back and I'm like, who was that girl? I really do not like being the center of attention. So first things first, I'm gonna have you all stand and face your chairs toward the back of the room. That would be great. No, I'm kidding, sort of. But if you're new here with us, we started a summer sermon series on practicing Sabbath. And I tell you all that about me so that you can kind of have an understanding that I think that making the Sabbath a part of our weekly rhythm is so important and so essential for becoming more like Jesus that I'm willing to fight every fiber of my being that wants to run out of here and hopefully help you see the same and maybe get some ideas of how to get started and how to make it a part of your life. So to do a quick recap, we're only doing, we're only two sermons into the series. Um, so does anyone remember the main points about the Sabbath from the past two weeks? Josh's sermon was... Keep going. <laughs> I actually have this wrong in my notes. I, he told me that I had the name of it wrong and then I forgot to change it, so. <laughs> so what is it? The Sabbath. <laughs> yes, God made Sabbath for us, yes. And then Leslie's from this past week was, Sabbath starts with stopping. Good. Okay, well, today I'm gonna be sharing about how Sabbath takes time and practice. So from Josh's sermon, we talked about how God gave us the Sabbath. And when someone gives you something, it's called a gift. Yeah. Right, good, okay. So what does the Bible say about God's gifts? James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Or I like how the message puts it as, every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good, 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 good gifts to those who ask him? So we know that the Sabbath being a gift from God means that it's good. I was trying to think of an analogy that would serve as an example of something that's a really good gift, but that might take us a bit of time to actually be able to enjoy it. And this was the best that I could come up with. So I love food, so it resonated with me, and I hope, feel like most people also love food, so hopefully it's relatable. Um, Okay, so I want everyone to imagine the best meal that you've ever eaten in your entire life. Or if that's too hard, just think of one of your favorite meals that was prepared by someone else or in a restaurant. I mean, if you were able to make the best meal you've ever eaten, then good for you, but also just think of the next best one that someone else made for you. 
Um, okay, so are you imagining that meal? Is your mouth watering yet? I'll tell you mine. This is gonna seem lame because I'm sure I've had better food, but I'm thinking of this hibachi place in Indianapolis where I'm from called Ginza. They made their own teriyaki sauce. Everything was just always so good every time. Their chicken and shrimp combo was just on point. The combination of vegetables were my favorite. Uh, their fried rice is still some of the best I've ever had. Okay, so keeping yours in mind, imagine now that God said, I'm gonna give you the gift of being able to make this meal whenever you want. And it's gonna taste just as good or actually maybe even better than what it tasted like when you ate it. And you're gonna be able, oh, I already saw that. Whenever you make, you can make it whenever you want. And here are the tools that you need to do it. And so imagine that you turn around and you're given access to this gourmet kitchen that's fully stocked with every ingredient that you could need in order to make it. You've got every piece of cookware you can imagine, the sharpest knives, the finest ingredients, and then God slides the recipe over to you and says, all right, go for it. You can do it, and it's gonna be so good. Some of you are like, okay, this is sweet. I know my way around the kitchen. I like to cook. I'm kind of familiar with some of the ingredients in here, so I think I'm kind of ready to get started. And some of you are like, um, I don't even know how to crack an egg. If it doesn't say place on the microwave plate this side up for three minutes, then I don't know what the heck I'm doing. You're feeling completely overwhelmed. And some of you are like, I already know that I don't like to cook, and this doesn't sound appealing to me at all. And that's okay. This is a gift. It's an invitation. No one is trying to force you to do it. But just think about that meal and how good it was. And all we're asking is that you give it a try. We're all going to start at this at different stages. It's going to be the rare person that's going to start trying to make this meal and hasn't done it before that's going to be really good at it. Most of us are going to have to start with the very basics of how to cook before we can start working on this meal. You may have to YouTube how to dice an onion, or for me it'd be how to make an onion volcano. And that's okay. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, at some point, if you keep up with the practice, you're gonna have diced an onion enough that it's gonna become second nature to you. And you're not even gonna have to think about it. And you may even start to enjoy it. Maybe dicing an onion isn't the best example, but by consistently working on this recipe, you're gonna get better and better at it. And you're gonna eventually start smelling some of the aromas of the delicious meal. And you're gonna feel good about the work that you're putting in because you're gonna see that you're getting closer to it. And at some point, you're gonna make that meal and be able to taste it and see how good it really is. This awesome gift that God has given you. And now you get to make it whenever you want. This is the best analogy I could come up with for Sabbath, and I know there are some flaws in it, but I think it works for the most part. We have this awesome gift from God that he's given us, but it does require some work up front on our part. It's gonna take time and practice. You may burn the meal and have to throw it out multiple times. You may have done something wrong along the way, and you made the meal, or maybe you made the meal and it just didn't taste that good. Just don't give up. God has told you that you can do it. He's given you all the tools that you need. We just have to remember that the Sabbath takes time and practice. A few weeks ago during Josh's sermon, he talked about the two main camps that people generally fall into when it comes to the Sabbath. Those that have an immediate negative knee-jerk reaction and those that are indifferent. I think for most of my life, I've fallen into the latter category, although I think at the time I thought I was actually sort of practicing it. 
I grew up in a Christian home and went to Christian schools, and this idea that I had of Sabbath was just that it meant it's a Sunday, we go to church, we eat lunch as a family, and we don't work. But there wasn't really anything special per se about the day other than we just observed those things. There was nothing intentional about it other than we just went to church. The rest of the day would just fall back into the normal routines of finishing homework, doing some yard work, maybe watching a game of some kind. I then went on to graduate college and chose nursing as a career, which meant that inevitably I would be working some weekends since the healthcare system never sleeps. I think when I started working Sundays, I actually did feel a little bit bad about it, but then I justified it in my head as, well, I think I'm doing good on the Sabbath, so I think that's okay, right? Jesus said that somewhere, I think. It wasn't until 2020 when a coworker friend of mine shared a book with me called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer that really honestly changed my life. The ironic thing was that I started reading it in early 2020 when the whole world was shut down and I arguably was the least busy I had been maybe ever, or at least for a very long time. When Josh and I first got married, I was working full time and also a year and a half away from graduating with my master's. Josh had just graduated college and was starting to support raise for the humanitarian aid ministry that he ended up being a part of for the next five years. But our lives were kind of chaos. You could argue that our lives are still chaos, but you'll see why here in a bit that it still seems to be working for us. I finished grad school and started working as a nurse practitioner. We were trying to pay off my student loans, of which I had a lot. And so I would frequently pick up extra shifts or participated in what they called winter plan, where I committed to work overtime for 22 weeks to get paid more per hour and receive a bonus at the end if I stuck to my commitment. I also, for some reason, for an entire year, worked an extra shift every week on, at a primary care clinic on top of my full-time job. Meanwhile, Josh was also working full-time, taking two to three trips overseas for over, two to three trips overseas a year for two to three weeks at a time. There was a big chunk of our marriage that you could say we were just ships passing in the night. So when I picked up this book, there were more things, there were many things about it that seemed appealing, but it was the first time in my life that I had seen the Sabbath talked about as anything more than what I mentioned before. It was the first time that when I read, come to me, all you who are weary, I'm fine, <laughs> and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that it actually seemed like something I could do in a practical way. It was the first time that I actually attempted to practice Sabbath in a way that I think God intended for us. By no means am I an expert on Sabbath, but I guess you could say I am an example, not even a good example, of how Sabbath takes time in practice. I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit about my journey and what that's looked like over the past few years. Okay, so do we remember the definition that we're using for Sabbath? Yes, <laughs> very close, where we stop, rest, delight, and worship. Another way I've heard it defined is a 24-hour period with no have-tos or shoulds, which results in deep rest and renewal. I mentioned that I picked up this book by, in early 2020. By the time I finished reading it and convinced Josh to read it and got on board with practicing Sabbath, I was about seven months pregnant with Ezra. The hospital census and the urgent care where I was working was extremely low because of the mandates to stay home. 
so I wasn't working anywhere near as much as I had been. Josh had felt the, word, the Lord call him away from the humanitarian aid ministry toward the end of 2019, and so he was doing freelance marketing, making his own schedule, and working from home. If there were ever a time we could start practicing Sabbath, it was then. We picked a day we wouldn't work and set some ground rules for ourselves. We tried to base them off of some suggestions we had got from John Mark Homer's book. We would sleep in, we put our phones on silent, we decided on a digital fast, meaning no social, social media or digital entertainment because both of us knew that that wasn't restful or restorative for either of us. We went for walks if it wasn't too hot or just long drives if it was. We came up with some questions that we asked each other each week, sort of like check-in questions, like everyone's favorite. How are you doing really? <laughs> How was your time with God this week? How was your time with others this week? Or did you do anything relational with others this week? We picked up uh, from our favorite restaurants to eat for lunch and dinner, nap, read a book together, talked about it, prayed together. It was pretty sweet. It definitely wasn't easy to jump right into, though. No digital distractions for an entire day was and is still very difficult. Were there times I felt bored? Yes. I still had this limited vision of what the Sabbath was, but I was starting to get the appeal. Flash forward two months, we had a newborn. This month, the first month of his life, we were just trying to figure out what the heck we were doing and trying to learn how to survive on much less sleep. It took about a month before we felt like we could start to pick back up again. Excuse me. It was definitely harder, and it revolved more around Ezra's nap and feeding schedule, but it was still good. I was on maternity leave for three months total, so we had about two months of consistent Sabbathing before I went back to work. It was enough that both Josh and I could see that this was an important thing to keep as a part of our lives, but the practicality of it became much more difficult once I started working again. At the time, I worked a varying schedule with alternating shift times, days, and locations, so we definitely weren't able to have a set day that would work to do it each week. Our Sabbaths became more of a once or twice a month thing rather than a weekly rhythm. And as things started to return to the new normal after COVID and mandates ended, my workload became even more de demanding. There were days where I would pull out of my driveway at 1130 to be at work by 1230 and then pull into my driveway after my shift at four in the morning the following day and then have to wake up with Ezra at seven or eight and still be a mom and perform my normal mom duties. To say that burnout came quick is an understatement. I craved the days that we practiced Sabbath, and although, or although they were becoming fewer and far between. I had heard about a job opportunity to work in the hospital in a unit that I had heard great things about. The position was a night's position, meaning it would start at 6.30 p.m. and end at 7 in the morning. I was ready for a change, and I really thought this would be the answer. I prayed about it, and I really felt like I was supposed to move forward with it. And in my head, it was going to give me more time to spend with Ezra at home. It's going to give Josh more time to work on his work and be able to meet with people. And I could not have been more wrong. <laughs> Two weeks after I started that position, I found out I was pregnant with Ari. We were excited, but it added a layer of complication to this already tricky new schedule we were trying to figure out. I still didn't have a set schedule, and I soon discovered that I was also not able to sleep during the day. <laughs> no matter how exhausted I was or how little sleep I had gotten the day before, I would get home from work around 8 or 8.30 in the morning, crash hard, and inevitably my eyes would pop open at noon after three measly hours of sleep. 
and I could not, for the life of me, go back to sleep. It would become this cycle of endless stress because I was stressed that I was already awake, stressed that I wasn't falling back asleep, stressed that it was getting closer to the time that I would actually need to be awake, and then stressed about having to go back to work on such little sleep. And I knew almost immediately after starting this job that this was not going to work. Josh was actually having to watch Ezra way more than we anticipated throughout the day, making it harder for him to get his work done. And at the time, the, or in the time that I did get to spend with Ezra, I was so exhausted I couldn't enjoy it. To use Leslie's analogy from last week, I lived in the red zone on my battery percentage. I had still have a little PTSD from it, clearly. <laughs> you're truly dangerously close to the zero. I think, you're, I think you may think I'm exaggerating, but I was really losing my mind from lack of sleep. That only got worse the more pregnant I became. I had no time or mental or physical energy for anything or anyone other than to just keep myself going and to take care of Ezra the days that I was off. I called my old boss and I asked for my job back and I put my notice in three months into being there. But because I was transferring back within the same organization, the way their policy worked was that my current bosses had control over when I could leave. And they made me stay my entire pregnancy <laughs> until two weeks before I was due with Ari. So we did not Sabbath once that entire time I worked in that position. And it was telling. <laughs> on my personal life, on my spiritual life, again, I'm fine, <laughs> on our marriage and on our family. We were desperately wanting and needing to get back to a place that, where Sabbath could happen. The silver lining that happened from leaving my old job was that there's also quite a bit more turnover that happened while I was gone, and my bosses realized we need to do something to help keep people happy in their position so we can get them to stay. So when I called to come back, they said, I had left on good terms initially, so they were good with me coming back, and they said, we know you always liked working in this particular shift at this location. Would always try to trade to try to get those, those days and location. How would you like it if you were just hired for that shift only? And I was like, uh, yes, please. And then they were like, well, and if you're gonna do that, well then how would you like to just have a set schedule? And I was just like, uh, yes, please, okay. And then they were like, well, why don't you just go ahead and pick the days that you work? And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> but also, heck yes, so. So the way my schedule works now is I have every Friday and Saturday off. As soon as we had Ari, we could get back into a little bit of a rhythm with that. We started making Saturdays our Sabbath again. And it's the first time that we've been able to practice it consistently and have been doing so for about 10 months. Um, and I can tell you right now, I will never, ever, ever <laughs> work a job that doesn't allow us to Sabbath again. The toll it took on myself and on our family was not and will never be worth it. Our Sabbaths now look a little different, and I imagine that with each season of life, this will be the case. We now wake up when the boys wake up, which is definitely earlier than either of us would ideally like, <laughs> but it is what it is. As a parent, you're still a parent on the Sabbath. We still have to make the boys food, change diapers, deal with tantrums, etc. But it's also been really sweet to be able to have them be a part of it. 
And I also love that they're going to grow up not knowing any different. Ezra is to a point that he has a little bit of an understanding that Sabbath is a day of delight. It's something that we look forward to. A day that neither Josh or I are working and that we get to spend time together as a family. It's not uncommon to hear multiple times throughout the day him say, we're all together. <laughs> it just doesn't happen a lot during the week. On Friday nights before bed, I'll often ask, guess what tomorrow is? And he'll say, is it Shabbat? <laughs> and he gets really excited. When we wake up, we typically go on a walk to the mug. It's a little coffee cart in the front of our neighborhood. If you haven't tried it, you definitely should. It's in a little strip. Behind it, there's a donut shop. Ezra picks out, we let him pick out whatever he wants, and he typically picks a pink or chocolate donut with sprinkles that has a rainbow candy on top with little marshmallows on either side that look like clouds. Mr. Kim is the owner and now expects us every Saturday and spoils Ezra, usually by handing him a bag of chocolate and strawberry donut holes on top of his already extravagant donut. <laughs> We don't really give him much sugar throughout the week, but that donut run alone makes up for it. <laughs> but it's Shabbat, so why not? We usually will walk to the park afterward and let Ezra play. If we can talk, then we do. <laughs> Our conversation has a lot more interruptions. Sometimes Ezra will literally say, stop talking to each other, talk to me. <laughs> So we don't get quite as good of check-ins with each other as we once did, but it's still this time together that we get to enjoy with no real agenda. We will come home and try to get the boys to nap at the same time, and if that works out, then we try to take advantage of it by taking a nap ourselves, but that doesn't always happen. Sometimes we listen to a book together while Ezra naps, then it's usually back to a park or hanging out outside while he plays in a water table or something fun that, something else fun that we have for him. Then we get dinner for both boys and get them down for bed. And then Josh and I will usually have been talking either throughout the entire week or at least throughout the day. What should we get for Sabbath dinner? We try to think of the yummiest thing and then we just splurge. We did for a while use our Sabbath nights to watch The Chosen, but we got caught up on that. So now sometimes we just go to bed. In the last six months, we started hosting Sabbath dinners on Friday nights when we can. And that's also been super fun. We just don't get a ton of time to spend together as a couple with other people in our community, so that's been really sweet. And Ezra really looks forward to them too, saying, are all our friends coming over tonight? And then the next morning after waking up, where'd all our friends go? As if he understands the fun part is just getting started. Some of you are, <laughs> some of you are like, that sounds super lame. <laughs> and I mean, it kind of is, but... It's a day that's restful and restorative for our souls. I imagine that someday as our kids get older and are more self-sufficient that we might actually be able to sleep in again and then wake up and all go somewhere for a hike together or go kayaking or something along those lines. At least for Josh and I and Ezra so far, we've found that spending time outside is really restorative and leads to wonder and worship. Dan Allender is a Christian therapist, author, and professor, and a leading promoter in the Christian Sabbath, and says, the only parameter that is to guide our Sabbath is delight. Will this merely be a break or joy? Will this lead my heart to wonder or routine? Will I, get, will I be more grateful or just happy that I did, got something done? It's not always easy to do. Some weeks there's just so much on our plates. 
Josh has to preach and hasn't finished his sermon, or me yesterday, same thing. Our house is a mess. We are weeks behind on our laundry. Our garage is a never-ending project. Could we, should we use this day that we are together and not working to get caught up? Because we watch the kids between our two work schedules, that means that when we are not working, we are one parent with two boys, which makes it super difficult to get anything done but just watching them. And I'm not gonna lie, I have broken a Sabbath morning to clean our house because it was just such a mess, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't let myself rest because of it. But we want so much for the rhythm of Sabbath to be a part of our lives consistently that one thing we're doing slowly but surely it's just getting rid of stuff so that that we don't need so that our house is just more manageable i know that's one thing i can do to take a step toward consistent practice it's just a process but it's okay because say it with me sabbath takes time and practice <laughs> good so this was less of a sermon and more of just me sharing my journey of practicing sabbath thus far but i hope that it helps you see that this is not something that comes easily or quickly I'm three years in and I'm still not doing a very good job at it, but I've gotten to a point where I know that I don't want to live without it. I will say, I would say that I'm smelling the aromas of the meal. I've tried little bites along the way and I'm looking forward to what's coming. Has practicing Sabbath solved all of our problems? Definitely not. Am I just so well rested? No, I am absolutely not. I'm still very tired all the time. So. Are our kids angels on the Sabbath because we practice it? Absolutely not. I was listening to Rich Viotis talk about the Sabbath and he said something like, the Sabbath brings out my kids' inner demons, which is relatable. <laughs> I will say that my soul though is in the best place that it's been maybe ever. My desire to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did is the strongest that I've felt. And I think that that's a direct effect from getting to once a week enjoy the gift of rest and delight in him. So I have a few questions and thoughts to just be reflecting on this next week for you guys. First, just think through what can it look like practically in my life to stop, rest, delight, and worship. Guys, if you're thinking that now is not a good time for me, I will tell you there will never be a better time to start. Life only gets more complicated. You add a relationship maybe, a kid or kids, aging parents, house payments, car payments, medical bills, and the list goes on. I will say it again, there will never be a better time to start than right now. But you can start small. Maybe you literally only have one hour you can dedicate to Sabbath each week. Do it, dedicate that hour, stop, rest, delight, and worship for that one hour. You will not regret it. But then start thinking about, is it your job that's only allowing for that one hour? Maybe you can start thinking about changing your job. Or maybe your thought is, well, I have to keep this job in order to make my house payment. Maybe consider a smaller house or some other alternative. I know most of us are not in a point in life where our kids' schedules are dictating our lives, but that will be a time for a lot of us. Maybe start thinking about how you're going to have to say no to travel to a travel sports league at some point or to competitive dance or whatever. I think you get the point. I know that all of this may seem radical, but 
orienting your life around the practices of Jesus is radical. Jesus is radical. And if you're saying, that's not for me, then I might ask, what are you doing here? Do you desire to be more like Jesus? If the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, but you're not willing to make some changes to be more like him, do you really love him? Practicing Sabbath is just one way to start. And I'm not saying any of this to be harsh, but just to sort of get you to ask yourself some of these foundational questions. We are part of this upside down kingdom. Everything about Sabbath goes against the grain of our society. We know that this is not going to be easy. It is a reorientation of everything, but it's good. Ask yourself, are you really struggling with your feelings over Sabbath or are you just struggling with your feelings about God? These changes might be mere years in the making, and that's okay, because Sabbath takes time and practice. But if you keep practicing that one hour a week, my bet is that you're going to want more. And those changes and decisions will be easier to make each time that they come up. Next, I would think through, why do you want to practice Sabbath? Some of you are like, I don't, (laughs) and that's okay. But think through, why not? Dan Allender says, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of our week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. If you're dreading it, have you created it to be something it's not? Remember I mentioned another way of putting it, it's a 24-hour period with no have-tos or shoulds, which results in deep rest and renewal. No one is asking you to have a 24-hour quiet time. Honestly, to me, that sounds horrible, too. Um, Find what brings you to delight and joy and what draws your attention back to God and do it. I know there's some people that love to read who save reading their favorite authors or their favorite poets for reading on the Sabbath. Or maybe if you love music, you save listening to your favorite musician or bands for the Sabbath. Granted, I would run that through the filter of, does this lead my heart to worship and join the Lord? Because if it's super depressing and dark, like a murder mystery, seeing to myself and Melissa here, (laughs) I'm not sure that I'd save that for the Sabbath. But you get what I'm saying. There's no exact script to follow here. Your Sabbath is gonna look very different than mine. And some of you are like, thank the Lord. (laughs) But if you're having trouble finding ways to delight and worship, I would recommend a book by Gary Thomas called Sacred Pathways. In it, he acknowledges there's not a one size fits all to spirituality and helps guide you towards the style of relating to God and allowing you to worship in a way that's most you. He walks through nine different pathways that people generally use to connect with God. So there's 
The naturalists who love God through outdoors, sensates, loving God with your senses, traditionalists, loving God through ritual and symbol, ascetics, loving God through solitude and simplicity, activists, loving God through confrontation, caregivers, loving God by loving others, enthusiasts, loving God with mystery and celebration, contemplatives, loving God through adoration, and intellectuals, loving God with the mind. He has a workbook that goes along with it and a questionnaire that can help you understand which are your natural ways to connect with God and helps provide some practices in order to do that. It's been a few years since I read it, but I remember it being really helpful at the time. But really, the message I'm just trying to get at is just do something. God made the Sabbath rest for our rest. Sorry, God made the Sabbath for our rest. I don't think he's as concerned with what we do on the Sabbath as he is with our heart towards the Sabbath. Keep the day holy and restful and remember what God has done. Is your hold up that you don't want to do it alone? Find a friend and do it with them. Or you can come join ours if you want. You don't have to be lonely doing it. Is your hold up that you actually just don't know if you want to spend that much time focused on God? There's a chance that you will start the day and face your distance from God or even your lack of desire for God. And I think that's okay too. There is such a thing as what they call the Sabbath sadness that happens when you take away all the things you've been using to numb and distract yourself throughout the week. I think you just start with telling God your honest feelings. I think he can handle it. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship with someone and you've had to, something really hard to tell them and then you finally just have this honest conversation and you, at the end, you end up feeling closer to them because of it. I think that that could be the case here. I would give it a try if I were you. But I think if we think about the reasons behind practicing Sabbath, there are a few. But I think that God knows that out of that deep rest that can come from the Sabbath, that we have the best chance of offering joy and peace and grace to, to, <clears throat> to the world around us. And then one last note that Leslie touched on last week, and I'm only gonna to briefly touch on it again today, is that we know that there may be some of you that literally can't Sabbath because you're working all the time just to meet your basic needs. Again, just to repeat what Leslie said, it's, that's not what God intended for you. You are not the one person that God is withholding this gift from. I do think that as a community, we have a responsibility to help. I'm just not sure what that looks like either. But if that's where you're at, please talk to Josh or Leslie, or you can talk to me or whoever, but maybe we can help brainstorm some ideas of what could work. But you're not alone in this. I think we have a whole sermon that will be dedicated to something along those lines, so I'll stop there. But I don't know a lot of your stories, but I do think that probably for the majority of us, the issue is that we can't stop working. The issue is not that we can't stop working for a day or even a few hours. Our problem is that we don't want to. It's more of a heart level, heart level issue. So I know that that's a lot to lay on you at the end, and it's just stuff to be thinking about. And I'm saying it all as much for me as I am to saying it for you guys. Really, truly, just start small. Take baby steps. And just know that Sabbath takes time and practice, but it's worth it. Josh used this quote from St. Augustine weeks back in his sermon when we were still in the previous series about the good news in the Old Testament. Augustine says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. 
which made me immediately think of this song by All Sons and Daughters called Rest in You. I've listened to it a few times since then, and when we started our Sabbath series, it just hit me that this song is so perfect and reflective of the Sabbath. The lyrics are, who is Lord but our Lord? Who is God? Only God. You are the highest. You are most good. Matchless is your love. Our praise will rise above. Your peace like a river floods over us. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. This is where my hope lies. This is where my soul sighs. And I will always find my rest in you. So full of mercy, beauty, and mystery, you are most hidden, but always with us. Then it goes back to the chorus and then onto the bridge. You cannot change, yet you change everything. You cannot change, yet you change everything. The God of the universe, who set the rhythm of Sabbath in motion, is the same yesterday, today, until the end. He knew exactly what he was doing when he established it. He knew that there would be a time when clocks would be invented and stores would be open 24 hours, seven days a week, and everything in our culture would be pushing us to do more, buy more, go, go, go. And with that knowledge, he still said, remember the Sabbath and keep it cool. I'm good. <clears throat> he cannot change, but he can change everything. I'm gonna have them play that song. And if you know it, you can sing in worship. If you don't, you can just sit and reflect and think and pray or do whatever you want. I'm gonna then close us with a prayer from a book called Common Prayer, Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals. So. Right back on. Okay. Lord of resurrection, may we, may we be raised into the rhythm of your new life, dead to deceitful calendars, dead to fleeting friend requests, dead to the empty peace of our accomplishments. To our packed full planners, we bid peace. To our over-caffeinated consciences, we say cease. To our suffocating selves, Lord, grant release. Drowning in a sea of deadlines and death charms, we rest in you, our lifeline. By your ever restful grace, allow us to enter your Sabbath rest as your Sabbath rest enters into us. In the name of our creator, our liberator, our resurrection, and our life, we pray. Amen. Well, I have a feeling that Em's not going to be able to get away with that being her only sermon she ever preaches ever. Am I right? <laughs> Thanks for doing that, Em. Um, I'm very biased, but I feel like it just spoke to um, you being in, a, in a, a very demanding job in a role of ministering alongside what you're actually doing in your everyday as a mom and as a worker is really helps the rest of us really think through that. Um, so thanks for doing that. Okay, a few announcements, and then we can get out of here. First, I want to say one of the things I'm very surprised by is uh, how much. Oh, you have to. Okay. 
Anthony, you can talk first. It's okay. That's cool. There's a little bit of accidental ASMR, you know? It's like. <laughs> um, I, I'm very surprised how many people loved going to a three year old's birthday party. <laughs> so, one of the things I wanted to say too, if you're someone who was like, wait, I didn't get an invite to that, it's like clearly we need to just plan next time for it to be like, hey, anyone wants to come to this thing can totally come. Because, surprise to me that that many people really enjoyed coming to a three year old's birthday and it was like, way more adults than kids, and so many people over there didn't have kids at all. So anyway, lesson learned, next time anyone can come. So it's like, that was just a kind of cool surprise, but it was mentioned so many times this morning, and I was like, I wanna make sure I, I tell you guys that anyone could come. We just didn't think you'd want to, but I mean, I guess everyone still, like secretly likes dinosaurs, and there were little dinosaurs and the cupcakes and stuff like that. We all still like dinosaurs, we just don't wanna admit it, so maybe I should've known better. Anyway. Um, First thing I want to say is that our pastoral cohort and our College of Ministry, you heard Melissa mention the College of Ministry earlier, those signups and just saying that you're interested in things like uh, and related to that are happening now, but they're not going to be open for, for super long. So I wanted to do a quick little reminder. Yeah, there's the QR code to get some more information and tell us that you're interested. So two important things. The pastoral cohort is what's been around for a number of years now. We've talked about this as a thing you can say you're interested in. And it's like a mixture of class about ministry and being a leader in your church and trying to help people become the future leaders of our churches, as well as some practical elements. So there's like some class aspects and some practical project kind of stuff that you get to, to try things out and do things in our church. So that's one thing. It's a pretty demanding deal because it's got the mixture of class plus practical. But um, if you're interested in that, you can, you can uh, do the QR code and get more information. There's a full video where Brad kind of explains more details. I highly recommend you watch that. Um, but just wanted to shout that out. And the next thing is the College of Ministry, that half of things, is graduate level courses that we are trying to put together to allow people to continue growing in their apprenticeship to Jesus, growing in their knowledge of the Bible, growing in their knowledge of ministry, and offering these things um, at the best possible rate that we can, while we basically are getting the benefit of Brad, who is a professor, as well as getting lectures from other really good sources um, and taking them together and getting to discuss them together, listen to them together, study the Bible together. It's really cool. Melissa and Mason and myself and a few others have been doing some of these classes. I did the Old Testament class in the fall, and it's a huge, I mean, it's awesome. It's incredible. Um, and then the New Testament class we're doing right now, we just finished yesterday. And then there's uh, early Christian history and then modern Christian history and then the Reconstructing Faith class, which is a much more of a thing that Brad's been working on for a number of years and has done different versions of and been putting it together. So these are just, these are semester by semester classes that we're offering so that you can get this experience of learning in the kind of classroom setting which we all have benefited from being able to like discuss together and not just have to be like, okay, now that I'm out on my own and I'm not in college anymore, it's all, all on me to go like download a class or listen to some lectures or whatever. That's not what most of us end up doing. So we want to create a place to be able to do that together. And so I just want you to know about those things and, and give a little bit of a, a definition that you probably heard about it, but you may not have, uh, have had the chance to attend an interest meeting or maybe you just have forgotten since we talked about it last time. So anyway, save the QR code, check it out. Don't miss it. Only a couple of weeks to say that you're interested in some of those things. So the next thing is the men's breakfast is on June 24th. Yeah, so if you're a dude, come on and we'll hang out 9 a.m. June 24th. It'll be at Troy's house, which we've not gone there, but it's okay. We'll put that on the Mighty Network thing. 
that will even make the event so it has it in the thing. Sweet. So anyway, come join us. You can just hang out. We have a little devotional. We get a chance to break bread together, eat, hang out. Super fun. You are very, very invited. And then the very next day is the ladies' lunch, which will be right after church. Ladies. Uh, right after church at Leslie's house, BYO lunch, and Leslie's going to make an awesome dessert. Uh, all her desserts are awesome. So don't miss that. If you're a lady, you're very, very invited. And then the last thing, if you want to give a one-time gift or a recurring gift, you can do that on our website at dentonnorthchurch.com slash donate, or you can do it on Venmo at Denton North Church. And I'm going to say for us, am I missing an announcement, by the way? Anyone think of anything that I didn't think of? Okay, sweet. I'll say a quick prayer. Lord, thank you um, just for getting to hear um, what you've been doing in M's life. And just, um, I just pray that as we all think about the, the changes that um, need to be made in order to make our lives more like you and orient our, our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our strength and everything about us more and more toward you slowly. It just, it's going to take time. It's going to take changes. I just pray that you would really, really help us. Thanks for being such a patient God. Um, you, that is just one of the characteristics that always blows my mind about you. You're so, so patient. Thousands of years of just patience and patience with people. And we get um, so many stories about that, too. And so I just would thank you for your patience. And I pray that you would help move us in that direction. Help each of us in our schedules and our lives, the, the hang-ups we have, the practical problems, the internal, more heart-level struggles that we have. I just ask that you would just help us work through those and, and place in us a desire for you to find our rest in you. Thank you for being such a good God. Thank you for loving us so much. You're so, so good to us. You're the most good. You know, I pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.